We live in an era when accusations fly across the planet. He did this. This is what I think of her. They did this. They don't even have a gender that I accept. Well, this gender, that gender, this race, that color of skin, eyes, hair, that mixture of genes is not enough for me. I go, who are you? Who am I? An idea from my childhood came forward <clears throat> that I have found a beautiful image of reality. <clears throat> when I was a little girl, my father's mother, Anna, my grandmother, had many antiques in her family home. It had been her parents' home. Then she and William Charles lived there and raised my father. And I love that house. I always have loved that home. It's an old farmhouse at the top of a hill, at the base of a forest, <clears throat> at the top of Corning New York streets. The barn is the garage and a field behind it. And then the trees begin, which my father would hike up into on Spencer Hill. <clears throat> and in that house, Anna and Charles had many wonderful things that had been her family's. Some of them her, her grandparents, my great-grandparents. And <clears throat> among these items... On her beautiful antique desk, she had a collection of paperweights made by many of the artisans at Corning Glass, many of whom she knew. Some of them were her, her own family members, her uncle, her grandfather. And sitting among them, as I was a little girl, one day I found a prism, a long piece of crystal clear, which had hung from a chandelier, from a beautiful lamp, which would have been affixed to a living room or dining room of a fine home or business. They were a figure in many homes and buildings from perhaps 1830 to the 1920s, and they remain common in Western colonial-style buildings to this day. <clears throat> so in the arguments which ensue all across our planet, we have so many about the colonialists and the colonial powers and the horrific things they did to all of us. And <clears throat> I concur there are many sins which we could accuse one another of until we let the planet melt. That would be a very foolish existence for the trees plants and animals, including the human beings, would it not? So I'm suggesting very deeply, offering a concept that we go beyond the accusations that no one's ancestors were enough, and you certainly aren't enough, and I will never be enough, <clears throat> into the remembrance of the prism of my grandmother. It's was several inches long, and it had faceted edges, and then it came to a point at the bottom. So they commonly would be hung so that when the light would come down from electricity, which came forward in my grandmother's childhood into the United States, the quality of light 
which passed through the wiring into the incandescent bulb and out into the room first was refracted, passed through the crystal of the prism to move through its very oblique angles and cast the light in different nuances of refraction onto the walls and ceiling and floor, the faces of persons walking through the room, sitting in the room. <clears throat> and sometimes the refraction would cause colors of the rainbow, of the visible spectrum of light to shimmer across a window onto a child's face or cradle. Incredibly beautiful to me. I loved the prism, and my grandmother didn't let me have it because the edges, although they weren't sharp, are, are cut to a sort of fine edge so that um, it's hard to describe the shape <clears throat> if you haven't seen one of them in your culture. They're, um, they're faceted. There might be four sides or six or eight or up to 12 sides, and it's several inches long. And then at the bottom of it, it's cut in so that all those edges come into a point. So the refracting edges have many angles. So the light can shine through. And if you had a shorter one or a longer one or one with fewer edges or more, it would refract the light differently. So I was aware of this as a little girl and thought it was just so beautiful to me. Clear and known and yet mysterious. Scientific, really, and yet the mystic's heart, just like one's life. So I became aware that in my love for my grandmother was always this prism on her desk. And as I became older, it remained with me, and I <clears throat> would walk through a store in the United States or another country I might be visiting, and if it were an old store with older items, there might be prisms in a bowl. A person might walk in and purchase one to hang from a piece of ribbon in a window. A person might say, I've inherited my great uncle's chandelier from his bedroom, you know, with eight prisms, and one of them is broken, and maybe you have one that matches. So <clears throat> I remember walking into the late Neil Tipler's shop in Austin, Texas, this extraordinary man from the old Southern Rhodesia, now called Zimbabwe. He had emigrated with his wife to the United States many years ago. One of the greatest mystics the earth has ever seen. The kindest, strongest, most dryly humorous and loving man who ran a lamp shop and held court there. He simply understood his world and lived with extraordinary, extraordinary heart and goodness and kindness. And so taking a lamp in for him to fix was one of the great gifts of my life. And I remember the first time I ever walked in, he had vases and old lamps he had fixed and ones he was converting from a vase to a lamp and items he and his wife had found from estate sales and been bequeathed to them by someone who had their grandmother's two lamps they no longer wanted. And you could find the most interesting array of ways to decorate your home through the electric light. 
through a lamp or a needed lampshade or a lamp being fixed so that it was safe with the cords electrically moving through it to plug into the wall and turn on. <clears throat> and when I walked in the first time, what was sitting on his counter near his cash register, a very large oriental bowl filled with old prisms. Different kinds in case someone needed one for one's lamp to hang four of them beneath the shade on an old Victorian lamp or to find just the perfect one for the one that had broken falling to the floor when a chandelier was cleaned in one's kitchen or formal living room. <clears throat> and so a prism is what one is like when one is conceived and born. One is conceived and born willingly or unwillingly by one's mother, father, with ancestors supporting or not supporting the conception and birth, the life to come that is you or me. And so <clears throat> a child comes in from wherever, and this is not about theology and belief. We argue so much what we believe happens before we're conceived and as a mystic, I find it interesting because people ask me questions I remember from before I was conceived. People could dispute this. I also experience every day people who have died, who God or the universe sends to me for help, <clears throat> to help their grandchildren or their late spouse their parent. And so for me, <clears throat> walking through the marketplace of the soul is a blessing. At every moment, all God is ever doing, all the cosmos is ever doing in my life is enacting one great prism of God's light, moving, trying to move through the clarity of the prism that is me, to fulfill heaven on earth. It is the most glorious path. I really can't even speak of it in words what it is for me, other than love, love of God, love for God, love by God through me for himself everywhere, ecstasy, clear light. In Himalayan Buddhism, and pre-Buddhist practices, the word used is the Dhammakaya, which became the Dharmakaya of Pali to Sanskrit. The clear light of that which is real. So heart to heart and soul to soul, that light is one. No matter what you think or I think, no matter how much canceling and fighting we cause, I hate your ancestors and you hate mine. I go, well, isn't that the stupidest thing that any human being ever thought? How did, we, how did we think something that is not the prism of you or me? The rainbow is the tiniest bit of light. <clears throat> the visible spectrum is a small part of the light. It's just the part that lets us feel the prism Oh, what a lovely dress you have on. How good to see you. I love your hair. How's your grandmother? 
How has your grandfather in Egypt, who whose language I cannot speak, but maybe you might pass on to him my wishes, my deepest congratulations at the birth of his latest grandchild. I hope God blesses him on this day, and your father and mother and you, and your new son and your wife, who came to America to have that child. She, a prism of God, I have known since she was a baby. May you all be protected and blessed in all ways, always, heart to heart, soul to soul. Then you know we become prisms on the great lamp of humanity. And isn't that something? Doesn't that just direct us then always toward that light? and always in our hearts toward the direction of eternity. This moment, ah, I think I shall turn to remember the past of the light which was passing through your enslaved great-grandfather. And my great-grandfather, in the hold of just as dank a ship, he just didn't have shackles on, but he had debt shackled by poverty, you know, they would have liked each other so much. They certainly both worked in such difficult circumstances so that you and I might be here today remembering the light which passed through them so magnificently. May we be noble enough to enact that light and bow to it through one another so that the prisms cast in glass molded and shaped in fire of the silica and elements of the earth to be transparent are quite sublime in their beauty. Not opaque, but so that we see through them to look for heaven. Then it's like meeting a human being who's clothed. Look at your coat and your scarf and hat and your, your winter shoes and your gloves, caretaking yourself in the cold. Many layers so that you're defined through blue and wool and texture to be able to live safely your path of heaven on earth. And myself in a bathing suit and a cover-up for the rays of the sun, my colors rose and red, or black and gray, very neutral, and white and cream. And we meet together, season to season, one hemisphere to another, one nation to another. I see you are clothed in having been raped, and you in having been the rapist, and you having been the judge who sent the rapist for counseling and transformation, and you, the judge, who also sent the victim to know she was more than just a victim, that the prism of her tragedy transform her into a great woman. Oh, yes, the light of the divine which moved through her at conception and birth and all of her life so that every moment of her breath upon this earth 
is as important as the moment she was raped so that she breathes through the scars to remember the clarity of the prism hanging from that chandelier. Oh, my path. Yes. Yes, the glass, which is temporal, the human incarnation, which is temporal. Yes, I, I am something more shining through that. As we form the religions of the future, the languages of how we shall be one as a human civilization upon the earth, how do we find the courage and vulnerability to face this in one another? Let us use a single moral example upon the earth, the young Ogin Trinley Dorje, whom I met in Tibet when he was 14, is now in his late 30s. He's been accused of rape by three or four women throughout the world from different nations. His DNA test has proven that he is the physical father of a girl who's in childhood in British Columbia. He apparently fathered her against the consensual will of the mother. Well, how do we hold that girl, that child, as a prism? How shall her life be? How shall his life be now? He has millions of people connected to him. How do we find the prism that is Trinley? The light of the divine moving through him so that he is redeemed. And the mother of the girl is also redeemed, both of them from whatever happened between them violence, lack of violence, argument, seduction, love. May the two prisms of that woman and man and their girl be realized as part of this chandelier of the human race so that China, Tibet, Canada, America, your nation, all nations, might go beyond all hostility and the great light may pass through your heart and mind so deeply that we become a prism of God, rendering all scars of our histories just a little chip in your prism or mine, a little dimple, a little place where the light refracts with more difficulty yet is still present and engaged in grace, that this earth might be realized is a garden of Eden, all of us restored to the tree of life again, all of us reflecting, representing, letting that great light pass through us everywhere and always.